Don't ask me to talk. Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas from the ridiculous to the sublime on Don't Ask Me to Talk. Now, here's your host, Stacy Heller. Hello and welcome to the show. As Eric so eloquently said, I am Stacy Heller. This is Don't Ask Me to Talk. Um, this is sort of, I think, going to be a bonus episode because, uh, unsurprisingly, I still have more to say and more people to talk to and connections to make. There is just not enough hours that this station provides. So I, I got to make up my own hours. Um, so I have a fun guest today, James Jamie. Do you go by Jamie? You talk to them, Kevin. A what? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever somebody calls me Jamie and they don't know me, like at you know before high school or during high school, I'd say, I you know first is like, who did you meet and what did they tell you? Uh-huh. Well, uh huh. Well. So yeah, right. sure. Yeah, Jamie. People that grew up with me know me as Jamie. But, okay. Uh, well, I feel like the tone of this conversation is going to be more Jamie esque than James esque. Oh. So- okay. So you don't want professional James. You want immature unscripted jamie Got oh yeah 100 100 the only rule is you're not allowed to curse that's it oh yeah never yeah so that's perfect um you are with columbia credit union so you know hey a plug out there you might as well have it i'll let people tell you um or i'll let you tell people how they can connect with you at the end but in the meantime um i was doing scant amount of research for this conversation today and asked uh jennifer naturally some deets and had an opportunity to get together at our lake house with uh nancy and with megan and i got lots of things i yeah i bet you did i bet you did yeah like i'm curious uh jamie like why would you wear white jeans to school in fourth grade well first of all i look good in anything uh let's get that just out there uh, so uh, you know, I, I had those white jeans throughout elementary school and just sometimes, um, they felt right. Like you wake up in the morning and say, yes, yeah, I'm doing I, it. I, you know what? Um, good for you. And yeah. Grass what? stains don't bother me. They don't stop me. So, well, I, totally. Now, did you wear them during the appropriate seasons? Like, you know, before Labor Day, after winter, like- winter time, muddy. Yes. Uh, easier to clean back then. We didn't have a lot of, um, you didn't have to be safe for the environment back then. And you could have all the really good cleaning products, all the chemicals that are, have been banned nowadays. So right. easier to clean back then. That, that is very true. But I think that stumped my growth. So <laughs> you seem to have an issue about your height. Um, <laughs> and you know, when you're sitting down doing a podcast or a radio show, you look tall to me. So <laughs> I don't know. It's all good. And actually, yeah, Nancy would always wonder why I would wear those white jeans because I would go out for recess and she was my elementary school teacher and my favorite elementary school. Teacher. Nice. Save. And, uh, <laughs> and so she, I would come in and she would say, uh, why are you playing soccer out in the field? Getting your white jeans dirty. Well, yeah, there was a big discussion about, you know, who knew Jamie first and longest? And, you know, I feel like Nancy wins. I mean, A, because she's an adult. And so you always defer. Um, 
And, you know, she knew you in that capacity. So knew how you were doing in fourth grade, grade wise. Yeah, a lot of um, plus and checks. Well, I remember those days. Now, um, for people that are like, haha, this is all well and good, but I have no idea what you're talking about. So I was introduced to Jamie through our mutual friend, Jennifer McGibbons Harris. She is uh, a friend of mine, a literal neighbor two times over. She lives down the street, both uh, on the east side here. And then we both bought a house um, in Oroville at Veranda Beach. And she's even closer there. And... So I have come to know her, her kids, her business through B&I, and uh, I feel like she posted something maybe on her Facebook page, and you and I had a conversation about the Yankees, which is what then I was like, oh, okay. Um, And that's actually why I also invited my husband Pete to the show. This is the first time that he's ever been in studio, and he is so far back from the microphone right now, it is kind of making me laugh. Um, I wish that we were on video, um, but I was like, okay, you're the one that introduced me to the Yankees. I grew up very like, you know, we watched like the tennis open, the golf open, you know, America's cup when it came out and then like the world series and the Super Bowl and that kind of thing. So the first professional baseball game that I went to was a Yankee game at the old stadium with Pete and that cemented our Love affair and my love affair of Jorge Posada, number 20. Yeah. <laughs> He's fantastic. Him and Yogi, best catchers ever. Right? Yeah. Just you gotta throw Munson in though a little bit there, just because Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. See, and this is why you're and here, I, I'm, Pete. I'm assuming I don't have the knowledge as you guys do, being since you guys were, you know, East Coast bred. So yeah. that's I'm jealous. Yeah. I'm a little jealous. Yeah, now. I I am so the connection then obviously then to Jamie or James if you if you know him in his adult functioning life um, is through Jennifer and the McGibbons family and we can touch in a little bit on the McGibbons classic that you do and and what that stemmed from um, which is such a cool thing but I'm curious how does a guy that is from Vancouver Washington become such a rabid Yankee fan? Um. You know, my, my grandfather, um, he was in the Navy and he, um, the way I remember it is he, you know, he was stationed there or he went through there in the Navy. And then I think he had a Yankee game and he was a Yankee fan and my grandma for, um, when I was little, um, but it was odd because I love the Yankees, but my favorite baseball player is Daryl Strawberry. Oh, so I mean, I love, I have a question for you before you continue. Are you flipping a can or a bottle right now? Oh, absolutely. Am I making noise? Noise? I'm it's like, Gatorade. you're such an ADHD yeah. kid. <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's making me laugh because I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. I relate. I relate. Okay. So sorry about that. Anyway. Hands free. So, hands under my. Right? Exactly. You need to tie you up with a little rope yeah. or a tie or something. Um, okay. So go back to Daryl Strawberry. Yeah. So big. I, I mean, I have, I, I don't know. 500 Daryl strawberry baseball cards, probably almost all of them the same love strawberry. So when he kind of polished off his career with the Yankees, it was just, Oh, thank you. Thank you. Of course that was not the highlight of his career. And uh, so, yeah. uh, Love uh, the history of the Yankees, uh, the mantles, the roofs, uh, uh, Roos and DiMaggio. 
um, Yogi and, and uh, Ford and, um, and then um, obviously Jeter, probably my Jeter and Bernie Williams, probably my favorite Yankees during the last probably 20, 25 years. And Paul O'Neill is just determination. You know, when he came over from the Reds, I was, I was so excited because he's just, they had the, the late nineties, they had just the grunt, just the determination. Yeah. And uh, I loved it. And then they had Joe Torrey just babysitting everybody. <laughs> I, oh, I, <laughs> we have a good family friend of ours, um, Didi Falter. Hey, Didi. Um, her mom was a huge Joe Torrey fan and, you know, just loved the way that he ran that ball club. And, you know, everyone else was crushing over all of these, like, you know, young baseball players and whatever. And, you know, she was in her seventies or whatever. And she was like, Joe Torrey. <laughs> yeah. Takes a nice, I mean, his temperament, obviously his knowledge of the game, but just taking care of, you know, it's okay to say egos. Um, because you got to have, you got to be overconfident as a professional athlete in some way. And then, you know, there's Scott Brocius. He's from McMinnville, Oregon, which is not too far here. Um, I've never met, I've never met him, but I have a few friends that went to uh, Linfield and, and they, every time they've crossed paths with him, they say nothing but really nice things about him. So that's so cool. I love it. Um, okay, Pete, you're gonna have to lean into your mic to talk or pull the mic towards you okay. um your grandfather because like yeah. where you grew up right you would sort of decide between are you a Mets fan are you a Red Sox fan are you a Yankee fan is that correct yeah, I grew up in the middle of Connecticut so you had to decide if you were going to go north to the you know um Red Sox or you know Patriots um or you're going to go south to the uh New York teams and so we went to, south to the New York teams and it was Yankees and Giants um growing up and my grandfather used to um sit at the kitchen table and watch a little 11 inch black and white tv um <laughs> and uh on wpix channel 11 and <laughs> um and watch the game and you know my grandmother would make dinner and you know she she'd be doing whatever and he would just sit at the table and watch it not say much but uh and so you used to just sit there and watch it with him and that oh so that's where you think. learned your uh-huh. your sport watching technique yes you do there's that. probably a lot of confrontation in that area just because if you're in that yeah. section where you're rooting for Patriots, Sox, or Bronx, I mean, that's yeah, a few bar fights in that yeah, area. Yeah, you know, some family feuds <laughs> as well. You know, we had a couple, couple of us went one direction, some went the other direction, so we were kind of a little bit, you know, we'd sit on opposite sides of the couch when we watched uh, sporting <laughs> events sometimes. So. It, it makes for a good dialogue, though. Um, you know, I... Back when we lived in uh, Connecticut, I, at the time, had a very, like, um, very small cookie business that I did. But I had uh, one client, uh, Susan St. James and Dick Ebersol, um, because of a nanny that had babysat for us, she knew about my cookies. And um, sadly, they had a tragic accident where their son, Teddy, died um, around Thanksgiving holidays. And for the funeral... They asked me to do 800 Red Sox cookies. And I will tell you that that was hard for me. <laughs> Besides the fact that it was, you know, a couple of weeks before Christmas and the fact that I had four young kids at the time and trying to keep them away from 800 cookies. 
there was the Red Sox angle. And I was like, this, I I said in a note that I sent along with the cookies. So this is like the little drummer boy, right? In the face of something that's so monumental, um, like a loss like this, you can only do what you can do. Um, and so for me, it was do these Red Sox cookies. But I, of course, signed the note, go Yankees. And the reason <laughs> that they had those cookies there is because Dick Ebersol is a huge Yankee fan. And Teddy, uh, the youngest of his sons, really was trying to figure out a way to relate to his dad. And yeah. so on purpose became a Red Sox fan so that there would be a dialogue between them. Even if it was antagonistic, it was a dialogue. Now you see Dick Ebersol. Yeah, he was a producer of uh, Saturday Night Live for a while and yes. like uh, I think NBC Sports maybe. Yes. Yep. Okay. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That is really cool. And Susan St. James was on the show Kate and Allie. Look it up, kids. Oh. Um, oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, I remember Kate and Allie. Yep. Yeah. And, um, and she did. Jane Curtin. Yep. Absolutely. Jane yep. And yep. she had a bunch of other roles as well. And I guess she and Dick yeah. uh, met when she guest. I think it was a guest host on SNL and the rest is history. But, mm. you know, it's amazing that that conversation that you're talking about, um, the push and pull of Yankee fans versus, um, you know, Red Sox or any team, you know, will go to um, it's not Safeco anymore. What is it? T-Mobile? T-Mobile Park. T-Mobile Park. Look at that. Um, we'll go there to see the Yankees because it's way cheaper yeah. than going to Yankee Stadium to see the yes. Yankees. Yes, it is. And you know what? Growing up near Vancouver, Washington, I, I it just makes me dis, I'm so disgusted with all these bandwagon Seahawk and Mariner fans yes. uh, that people are from here. And I'm like, that's not accurate. I'm like, people that when you go into Fred Meyer and you see all this Mariner and Seahawk stuff, and I have friends and they say, you know, I've always been a, like, okay, baseball. They were always Mariners were horrible growing up, <laughs> right. so it was Braves or Cubs. Or White Sox because WGN was here in Vancouver and then TBS. So you would hear um, uh, Harry Carey and Chip Carey. Um, or is it Skip? Yeah, Skip Carey, Skip Carey with the Braves commentate. And then for football, it was either Raiders or Niners because the Raiders and the Niners back then were awesome. Nobody watched the Seahawks. So, you know, I always get in arguments with my friends here locally when they're like, say, I've always been a diehard Hawk fan. It's like, what Yes. <laughs> right. Ever since like the um like ever since we had to start wearing it on Fridays, I've been a huge diehard fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I remember uh we went two years before they took down uh Yankee Stadium. Um my wife and I were, you know, we had to go to East Coast. I said, I gotta go. And she actually surprised me. She she got tickets in section 39. Uh-huh. Um, which was yeah, explain what people amazed. Explain oh. what that is, because if you don't know, then people are like, yeah, big deal. Yeah. So uh, at the start of the game, after the first pitch, um, there's roll call, Section 39, Bleachers Creatures. Yep. And there's actually 37, too, but Section 39 is the, the famous section. And it's all these diehard Yankee fans, and they pretty much come every game. And then you got Ball Vinny, and actually Ball Vinny was right behind me. And he, and so at the beginning, they would start what's called roll call and the entire section, Paul Vinny would start clapping or whoever's job was that day, they would all start chanting and they would go to each player for the Yankees in the field. 
and they would have a certain chant for them mm -hmm. and they would chant until the, the Yankee would nod their hat to them and it, everybody would do it. And you don't really hear it on TV unless you're trying to listen for it. And so it was just the coolest experience. And, um, and, and now, what is it now at the New York scene? It's section two. I, I don't know what, yeah. what it is, but um, just the coolest experience of my life. And um, it, I remember there was a couple Detroit Tiger fans there and they were just <laughs> getting heckled, heckled, <laughs> heckled beyond belief. And I, the, the girl, um, a pretty girl, probably mid twenties, uh, was getting some hot dogs and popcorn chucked at her, and and the and she's looking at the boyfriend like, "What are you gonna do?" He's like, "I'm and, doing and nothing." <laughs> he gets up, he gets up, and my wife and I just just couldn't stop laughing. She, he goes up to the cop and said, "Listen, you got some people harassing harassing us, and they're throwing stuff at my girlfriend." And he's like, "Well, what do you expect? You're wearing Detroit gear, like right? it's like like you know if that happened at Safeco, they you know they'd be in jail, but here it's like you know." You, you did it to yourself, you know? Oh, I mean, but I, it was, it was so, it was all in good fun, the chanting, but the East coast um, flavor of sports fanatic is just you until you go over there. Cause you always hear about it, mm -hmm. but until you go over to the East coast and, and get to be a part of it, you have yeah. West coast sports. You just, we're, we're soft. Oh, you know, I, I mean, you, Pete, you have a story. Um, I think that you were sharing, um, somebody recently where you were talking about somebody that was like, you know, people watching the game and, you know, New Yorkers get super into it and whatever. Um, and wasn't it somebody that was like started cursing and they, you know, they were like, shut the bleep up. Like there's kids around here or something. Yeah, someone else was telling us that, but yeah. The, and the other thing that we were in the, we went to the Yankees, the new Yankee stadium, uh, Grace and I, our daughter and, uh, the, um, left fielder, um, for the other team was just being like the fans were just mercifully, mercilessly, right. Um, just heckling him the whole game. And then I think he did something really what, like he hit a home run or something like that. And everyone was like, all right, I got to give it to you. You know, you got to give, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of now turned it around. So it was kind of an interesting, there are, they're informed fans too. I think, you know, they're, 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 um, they actually understand the game and respect the game. Yeah, you know, they do show respect. I mean, I saw that with the bleachers creatures and I didn't, you know, you, you see actually is when Giambi was going through the uh, steroid phase oh, okay. and um, he got caught and they were, they were, they were all over Giambi yep. and he was a Yankee, but they did show mass respect for great plays yep. and um, they acknowledge it because they, they, it's the, the love of baseball. Yep. Really? Yeah. You yeah. know, the love of sports. So, yep. So and that's it, the, it was just so cool. awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing that I think, you know, that first game that I remember going, I don't think, I think we were just dating at the time. And it was like, let's go to a Yankee game. And, you know, I think you had taken me to like a Knicks game before and, you know, like the symphony and all these things. And like, that was super cool. And then I walked in Yankee Stadium and like, you know, walked through and I was like, oh, this is like... This is something. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, as you say, that East Coast flavor where, you know, the conversations that take place and the language and, um, you know, the fights that they're having about, you know, like, mm -hmm. well, this is their greatest play and this. And I, the point that you made, Pete, about Yankee fans generally seem to be informed fans. And so, you know, they're bantering. They're also kind. We took the kids when um, they were younger to a game and, 
I think maybe one of the items that they gave away or something happened and like they gave our son like, you know, the the towel or something that was given out and they were like, here you go, kid. Um, you know, it's like they understand that legacy and really want to pass it on to the younger generation. Well, you know, Bald Vinny, actually, we're, we're taking a selfie, my wife and I, and he's like, would you, you know, he's just totally in the game. And all of a sudden, hey, would you like me to take your photo oh, that's for awesome. you? Like, just totally broke character almost. And we're like, oh, yeah, that would be great. And so then uh, he, he takes the photo and he goes, where are you from? I'm like, oh, we're from Vancouver, Washington. He goes, wow, thanks for coming out. Well, you know, awesome. and then it's like, rah, 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 rah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, you know, it was weird when we were heading to the game, we were like, I, we were both wondering, we're getting on the subway. We're like, I wonder if the subway is just like the movies, the whole experience. We get on the subway. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just like the TV shows and movies. And I'm like, honey, just look straight. Yep. Just look straight. And I thought the funniest thing was after the game, you just see everybody darting to the subway in yep. the Bronx. Like, I'm like, why is everybody running? I'm like, well, it's dark and in the Bronx, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But let's run too. You know, and you're going to be like 10 deep on the platform. So you don't want to be in the back of the line. Yeah. yeah. And, but you know, that same trip prior to that, uh, to that we in route as much as i hate them i had to go to fenway oh, yeah. you know i had to go experience it and i told my wife i don't care what happens i'm wearing my yankee gear and they were playing um they were playing the reds no they were playing tampa bay and um i we stayed in this hotel we went down uh before we went to the game i actually put my yankee hat on and i went downstairs to work out they wouldn't let me in the workout facility until I took my Yankee hat off. And at first I thought they were joking. And they said, no, we don't want any problems in there. So I had to leave my Yankee hat oh, wow. concierge. Then I'm getting into the elevator, go back up. And I had a Yankee hat. I had a family of four, a couple of young kids, maybe 10, 12, and then parents. They were just staring me down. <laughs> and I had a Yankee hat on. And so I walk into the room. I'm like, honey, it's starting to feel I shouldn't wear a Yankee gear. Yeah. You know, and she goes, I don't think it's a good idea. So the Yankee Avenue experience was amazing. And then we go inside and I see somebody with a Cincinnati Reds hat, get beer dumped on him. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's just the Reds. <laughs> but the, 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 I mean, the Fenway was amazing. I mean, the yeah. experience was amazing. The, the environment was just insane. I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Oh yeah. I think that. But you can um, see why Boston and New York hate each other. Cause we go to Boston. It's all nice clean this that and the other architecture you walk in we we get into downtown uh, new york we're like oh my gosh how how long are blocks here and right. how much trash can you actually put on a block um you know it's just a couple block walk which is like 10 blocks away and it's like in the heat and whatever but like come on figure it out you can get some like some nice soft serve or a watch or a fake bag or something on the way an totally an umbrella well, and um, I do feel like that seems to be a difference between Boston fans and New York fans. Um, you know, Boston fans, there seems to be a lack of, and I'm being incendiary here, but um, res respect and kindness. Um, and New York, like, the thing is, like, when we moved out here from the East Coast, you know, it's like, oh, you're a New Yorker and New Yorkers are so tough and whatever. And, you know we may not be immediately like, oh, hi, how are you? Like, can we take your bags to the car like everybody is out here? But we once we have a conversation with you, we're like, oh, hey, how are you? And, 
you know, we will have a conversation with you and there's no freeze per se. Um, you know, New Yorkers have a conversation about something and you'll immediately get like right into that into it and they'll tell you about their favorite place to eat, you know, their mother, you should come over on Sunday, like, you know, oh, you yes. want good pizza, like, let me tell you about good pizza. Um, yes. You know, it's an engaging part of uh, this country, I will say. Yes, we we really look forward to taking our kids here in the next couple of years over to New York and stuff like that to the Yankee game and just get the experience. Right now, it's probably not the best time. Nah, probably not. Um, let's take a quick break. And then when um, we come back, I want to talk about the enduring legacy of sports and the ways that uh, you have kept a legacy of your own going. Um, with the McGibbons Classic and your love of golf and all things sports and connecting people. Um, we'll be right back with Don't Ask Me to Talk. This is Stacy Heller, and I am joined by, again, James Jamie O'Neill. We'll be right back. Don't Ask Me to Talk. Welcome back to Don't Ask Me to Talk. This is a There's More to Say episode of the show. I'm joined uh, today by my husband, Pete, reluctantly, I might add, and uh, my guest, uh, Jamie O'Neill, who I know through the McGibbons. And we've been talking a lot about sports and the legacy and how it's passed down through family very often and that kind of thing. Um, and... I also feel like it's a language that connects people. Um, you know, growing up, my dad was an avid golfer, and that was always a place to have conversations with our boys. Um, we've got two girls and two boys, and and with all of the kids, we encourage them to play some sport because it seemed to be another conversation that you can have with people, a way to connect, whether it's over um, shared fandom or opposed fandom or, you know, um, whatever it is. And I know that you're a big fan of golf. Um, I grew up with a dad that was a big fan of golf. Pete, your dad is a big fan of golf. Um, you are too, although you say that your, your handicap is yourself. So that's a thing. <laughs> um, so how did you get into golf? You know, my, my grandpa, that had me drink the, the Yankee water. Yep. Um, yeah, in high school, I had literally 20, I'm not joking, 25 different jobs. Because back then you're like, oh, I get bored. I'm going to go quit this job and find something else. You know, pizza places, whatever. And then um, right before my senior year, I was telling my grandpa, I said, I, you know, I got to find somewhere fun to work. And he goes, well, you like going golfing with your buddies. Why don't you go work at a golf course? And so I remember I went to this uh, local course in Portland, um, called the Broadmoor golf course. And I walked in with flip-flops, shorts, and t-shirt. And I asked for, you know, a job, you know, doing whatever. And, um, I remember the, one of the assistant pros there said, well, why don't you actually wait? And the head pro comes down, which their family started. He's the head pro and general manager and his family of aunts, uh, started with six sisters years ago, back in 1933 wow. or 36. Can't remember. So the family ran it. And, uh, he said, Hey, do you want a job right now? Because I just fired the bleeping other guy. And 
<laughs> I said, sure. What do I do? You just clean those carts. I go, what do you mean clean? So I just literally started by washing golf carts and I got free golf and I got paid for free golf. And then that turned, you know, I played golf as a hobby with my buddies, but I was not good. I mean, I was just hacking it up, but then it, it became an addiction. And I mean, I would go out, hit a couple hundred golf balls a day and um, it just became a passion. And all of a sudden I started getting pretty darn good at it. And I really wanted to get in a golf profession and actually uh, became an assistant pro. I came, uh, got my players, uh, passed a player's ability test. And um, I was actually taking, I was in college for two years in a criminal justice program. And I wanted to be a cop at the time because my grandpa was a cop and I went on a few ride-alongs and I just said, you know, this cannot do this. I just, there's so much emotion, you know, to it. And I said, I'm going to move to Palm Springs, become Arnold Palmer. And so, <laughs> so I moved to Palm Springs and I worked at a, a place called Mission Hills Country Club in the bag room and just really worked on my game and became, you know, before, and that's prior to becoming an assistant pro and did some tournaments but it's amazing when I went down there, I was probably, I don't know, one or two handicap. And I felt like a 30 handicap when I saw some of the players in there. And I would just remember working in the bag room where you pretty much bag room, the country club, you wash the clubs of the yeah. members, put them in this box and stuff and get tips. But it's such a fun environment. There's three courses there. But that was the first year the big break came out on Comedy's, uh, on uh, Golf Channel. Okay. And I remember watching those guys on the big break I'm, I'm working with five guys in a bag room that could just smoke them you know <laughs> but yeah and so it turned into such a passion I did it for I was assistant pro for about four or five years and it got to the point where I met which is now my wife um and it got okay am I going to go down to Pond Springs one more time and or am I going to get a job you know right right <laughs> but so and she said, you know, oh, yeah, we can have a long distance thing for, I'm like, yeah, that you will not be here when I get back. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And then, and then, but you know, the great thing about golf is um, I just, I got out of golf business because I didn't want to be working at a golf course. And I still have friends that are in the business and they work at the golf course or system pros. They, they love it. It just wasn't for me. Yep. And I, but I just couldn't get to that level to play competitively and, and earn a living. Um, to it because just it, it it takes I mean just like any athlete there's just there's they're just blessed with that something mm-hmm. um, mentally or physically and um, but it turned out great and you know the thing about golf is you can um, not a lot of sports where you can keep on going you know oh, so yeah. in more of a recreational fun activity it's interesting growing up uh, so my dad grew up he was from fairly affluent family in upstate New York. And um, so he was a country club kid. And so in the summers, instead of going and getting a job, he went and got buckets and buckets of balls at the club and, you know, had lunch on mom and dad's dime. And, um, you know, he would just, he would practice and, and, and do it. And, you know, years later, uh, he and mom belonged to various country clubs and, you know, sometimes they didn't. And his, he didn't have the same time for golf that he had had, obviously, as a kid. Um, but apparently, I never played with him, but apparently he was really good. I think he was a one or two um, handicap as well, um, you know. And he would play with friends of the family, and they'd have tournaments, and they'd ask him to play. And he would come with his saddle bag and his, you know, clubs that weren't the latest everything. And, you know, he was like, it's not about the equipment. 
and you know it's it's about getting into the flow and um you know it was such a a mind thing and i remember actually a story where he came to visit us we were living in fairfield connecticut at the time and our former neighbor and pete and dad played golf and um my dad came home from that event and was like i don't trust him he doesn't play golf um, by f- like following the rules and with the integrity, and it's it's fascinating, isn't that? Am I telling that yep. story right? Yep. Yeah. Um, and sure enough, this guy ended up uh, like embezzling money from people and <clears throat> left the country, um, like in cover of darkness. Um, yes. And you know, so it it tells a lot about a person and uh, the integrity that they have in playing any game, really. Yes. Um, yes. But golf is definitely that thing that anytime I talk to people, like Pete, your dad talks about how it's like, you know, you're having a terrible round of golf and then you get a good shot and then you're like, ah, and it keeps you then going yeah. for a while. You um, know, it's and it came into my life perfectly because, you know, the you know, from my career from that point, golf, you know, was so important with my future career just with just communication and, and getting to know people and camaraderie and meeting, you know, getting in certain circles and just going out and having conversations with people that can um, be an impact on your life as well. Not only uh, business wise, but um, just in, in, you know, in general. And, uh, but yeah, I remember uh, when I decided to walk away, I just, I had so many people I work with at Broadmoor um, the system pros and pros that were better than me. And I'm like, how, you know, if, if they can't, you know, make it on the mini tours, how am I, how the heck am I going to do it? And right. uh, there were a few, I mean, a lot of them, um, you know, I actually, i worked with one of the system pros, actually his first head pro job was banded news when it first opened up okay. and it turned into a um, very great career for him. Um, but yeah, I just, it was one of those things where, I can't get to that next level. You know, it's just can't do it. Well, and so. you got to, you know, you got to know it. And now, um, as you say, you incorporate it into your life in terms of, you know, A, it's a way to blow off some steam. It's a way to communicate and have camaraderie with your buddies. And then you also have, have started this classic that you do um, to honor our mutual friend, Jennifer and Megan's um, dad, which is such mm-hmm. a cool thing. Um what made you think about doing that? Uh, you know, when, when we lost John tragically, um, it, it was, there's, there's the, the, our town stopped. He was so impactful. He was connected with so many important things in our community. Um, and he, him, and, and, and so many that ran in a circle um, have transformed our community in so many ways um, with just recreation, parks, um, transportation. Uh, I mean, just uh, nonprofits. I mean, he was part of the steering committee that brought Evergreen Habitat for Humanity, started a, a, a nonprofit called Leadership Clark County, identically Clark County. I mean, his he was so impactful and so part of everything. And so when I remember when we went to um, the visual, um, it, it, you have all walks of life there. 
and um, both sides of the aisle. It didn't matter where John was that person that everybody um, uh, valued his opinion. They, they, he had a high rep, he had his reputation was of just um, commitment to the community and generations of growth and, and finding future leadership and having this vision and this unique quality of making, um, uh, finding the best out of everybody yep. and how they can impact and what, what is passionate for them and how can they equate that into our community and, um, or themselves in life. And it, it was just one of those moments where it just, he was part of this community and, and the whole community just, what do we do now? Right. You know, and, and, and we have so many others, um, uh, men and women that when they pass in our community, just like any community, you're like, oh my gosh, they did so much. Who is gonna, who is now gonna take over and, and fill their shoes? Um, but I wanted to do something because, you know, he was a part of so many different nonprofits. So I actually, actually asked Nancy, I said, if you were to name a nonprofit that I could support, what would it, and she started naming off all these, you know, this one, this one, this one, <laughs> but we, we came up with, you know, Pearson Aviation Education Center, Legacy Health, Child Assessment Abuse Program uh, Center, and then um, Leadership Clark County. And so I started a golf, I, you know, what I knew how to do was golf and do golf tournaments. I've organized a few golf tournaments in the past, but nothing to this magnitude. And I got to tell you, it, we put it, we put the first one together in four and a half months. And it was really not a lot of my doing. Um, I got the word out. And the next day, my president CEO that I work for now, Steve Kenny with Columbia Credit Union, he called me the next day and said, hey, we want to give you $5,000 and be a presenting sponsor. And then I would have another person call me that I never knew. And all these people would just send money and say, just do with it what you need. Yep. And, and then when I put registration out, I, I mean, it just filled up and everybody was asking, what do I need to do? How can we help? So it, it, it was such a community driven event and it became so special. And then it turned into the year two, year three, and then year four. And, and, and then last year, you know, we had the, I, I know I could have had it last year. We yep. could have pulled it off, but I was thinking like, you know, so many of these businesses and people, they were just doing whatever it took. And I could have got that support from them because they feel that they would, they should in, in, in John's name, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to present that to them. Right. I didn't, because I didn't want them to feel obligated. Like they had to do it, even though they would. And so, and I don't think John would have wanted that. No. And um, so we took a year off and this year it came back bigger and better, but it, it really is amazing because I remember year two, year three, Nancy was saying, no, I, I don't even know this person. I don't know that person. Who are these people? And, and that's really what the tournament was meant to do. The, the John McKibben Legacy Classic was to inspire our leaders, bring our future leaders, bring our community together and talk about not what only he has done in his life in our community, but what others have done in our community and how you can help. I mean, the great thing about John was he would go out and he would meet with young leaders in the community and find their skill and how they, and, and they want to be a part of it because I, I always say this, a lot of people think community, it, um, uh, volunteering community is picking up litter or writing a check where there's so much more. 
I mean, web design for nonprofits, bookkeeping for nonprofits, um, speaking engagements, um, you know, getting people to support the events and, you know, just anything and everything. And he was so good and inspiring and motivating and um, grooming anybody. And, and also, if you just wanted to talk to somebody, mm-hmm. he was always there. I mean, this guy was, he, I, don't, I don't know how John did it. His, he had a position at Identity Clark County um, before he passed. Now that position, three people do what he did by himself. Right. And, um, but he, he just, there's, there's that special part of him. And, and with the year that we've had, the last couple of years, with the, you have so many people, um, it's, you know, not a lot of people are getting along nowadays. You know, they see on social media, they seem to have difference in opinion and it gets nasty. It really does. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it really, it's hurt. It hurts me when I see that because I see these people I grew up with or people are in community and they go after it. But when I, when we had the tournament last week and you see, and I, I'm seeing that, I know I don't make it noticeable and I don't project or anything, but I'm just sitting there watching these people that I've seen on Facebook, just annihilate each other. Mm-hmm. And it just gets ugly. Hug each other. How are you doing? out for a fun day, not even my tournament, but just other community events these past few months Yep. where everybody comes together for one mission and that's supporting the community and whatever they're there to promote and, and support at that moment. What's, what's... And, and that's the greatest thing about this tournament is honoring John, the legacy and, and continuing um, not only his vision for um, our community, but the others that were with him along, uh, along the way. Oh, yeah. Well, and I know that he was a personal mentor to you because um, yes. I have that inside scoop. And what is cool is that anybody that, you know, wonders if they're going to have an impact when they converse with somebody that's younger or gives some advice or makes the time for them, you're a living example of somebody who modeled that behavior that you saw and you're becoming that guy in the community and you know giving the space and time to other people because I know that you volunteer for a whole bunch of uh, nonprofits and you make sure that you make these things fun and community driven and that politics don't have to be brought into having a domino effect of goodness in the community. It reminds me of um, one of my favorite books that I used to read to the kids uh, is called Miss Rumphius. And um, it's a fictionalized account about a woman that was called the Lupine Lady. And, you know, she had these goals in her life that she was told by her father, you know, go out in the world and see it. Um, you know, make sure that I can't remember what the second one was and somehow make the world a better place. And as she got older, she couldn't figure out, you know, what am I going to do? I'm, I'm running out of time here to make the world a, a better place. And so she walked with seeds in her pockets and planted lupines. And so whether it is something as simple as that or a vibe or an intent or good energy or what you're doing with the McGibbon Classic, you know, that is planting positive seeds in the community that really take root and impact future generations. Yeah, I mean, I born and raised here in Clark County and just seeing what some of these local businesses and just just people in general have had to fight through this last year and a half, it, it, 
I don't, you know, it, 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 to see where the community has come from when I was little to where it is now, and then have that dip this last couple of years, it, it, there was tearful moments in our household because my, my wife is also born and raised here. And, you know, John was the person I would go to that he was the first person I talked to when I was going to propose to my wife. Um, he was the first person I went and told about when I was expecting both kids. Um, whenever I was wanting to talk about promotions or going after a job, I mean, he, he taught me from, you know, how to present myself to proper attire to, you know, everything and the entire McKibbin family. I mean, Nancy, Jennifer, Megan, um, there, there were some dark periods in my, my life and they were such an inspiration and they were so inviting and I say this uh, a few times, you know, when you go into a visitor's home, you know, you, you have this, you, you're not yourself because you're just, you know, you're, you, you don't know who's around you. You sure. don't know if you could be your own personality. You don't feel that way around the McKibbins. And they, I, I, I don't, I tried to think about it when I was getting interviewed by uh, somebody else. And they said, when did this relationship start? And I've had such an unbelievable friendship and, you know, best friend. I mean, I, Jennifer is so important to me in my life. She is one of the best friends I've had my entire life. And then, and Megan is just so important and is so uplifting with her words. And Nancy is there for me whenever I need. And, and I've really missed this last 18 months with them because you feel that everybody's kind of went away a little bit. So it's so great to see them, but the McKibben family, I, I, it's, I wish I can do more because they have done so much for me personally in my life where the entire McKibben family, I would not be where I am today without them. So are you going to run for office? <laughs> you know, John, John I, funny story, John, when we moved from what the east side to the west side, he calls, I said, hey, we just bought a house. And then he found out where I lived. He goes, that's outside city limits. You need to run for city council. What are you going to do? I'm like, I'm not running for, no, I'm not moving. We're just, we just got here, you know? And, um, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to, um, when the time is right. And, but it's going to be when my kids are out of high school. Okay. Um, I think, um, and it's got to be the right opportunity. You know, there's been a few positions that I've looked at, but then I, I hear of somebody else that is going to run for it. And I'm a realist. If I think somebody's going to do a great job, if not better than me, then I'm going to step aside of money and put my name in there. Right. It's not about uh, winning. It's about, um, you know, serving the community best. And so, yes. Yep. Yes. And, 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 and I would do it out of love the community and um, it, whether sitting on a, a, maybe a high position board or running for a position, but I, that's definitely something in my future. Um, but you know, my, um, I got to think of, uh, I, I want my kids just to go through high school and have fun because one of my best friends is a city councilman and man, he's, he's just the perfect, he's perfect for that role because he, he has some young kids. He's been doing this for about 10, 15 years. And I, I'm very inspired by him. And actually John, he went to John when he was running for city council the first time to get his advice. Okay. And, um, I mean, I've been at a Raptor of one of, one of our local baseball squads here and somebody comes up and just starts talking to him and he invites him to sit down for like 20 minutes of course. in his own time. And he's just sitting there talking to him. So, 
Um, I love everything about it. Um, I, you know, you may have your different opinions about any politician locally, federal, you know, statewide, it doesn't matter. Um, but you got to respect anybody that puts himself in that position because there is a reason for their doing it. And 99.9%, maybe even if they're, they're not out there to make, you know, that, you know, go down the wrong path for anybody They're they're everybody is out there to do something good. And, um, and, and I have great respect for anybody that throws himself out there and tries to do anything for a community. So you're the perfect Yankee fan in that yes. way. Like, yeah. because I mean, ultimately you've like, you respect the work and the effort that people put in and you may root for certain people, but it's not just about making noise. It's about good quality baseball. And you are about making a good quality impact like John McGibbon did. And you have taken that to heart and you're making it happen. And I someday get to say that I scooped everyone else and that you heard it here first that, you know, James O'Neill is running for office. We don't know when. <laughs> just remember, though, there is never a good time. Just like with having kids, there's never a good time to have kids. There's never a good time for public service. Um, I did tweet it already. so I just wanted Oh, to perfect. Know. Okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> I, was, I, I did hear about, um, I did want to ask you about something, though. Jennifer and Megan was telling me about, you were driving down the road in like a wombat or Oh, a, uh, no, that pro. was Bat Squatch. Yeah. Yep. I will, I'll tell you all about Bat Squatch because, um, oh, sadly, we're out of time here. Um, <laughs> so we'll talk about it off offline. Um, but I have had such an awesome time having a conversation with you. Um, and, you know, I knew that there was a connection to the quality of uh, who you are based on the quality of your uh, team preference. So there you go. Um <laughs> Thank you for chatting. If people want to learn more about you, even if it's through your work, how can they learn more about you? Share your uh, share your info. Don't Google because uh, Clark County Jail roster. You know, you might a mugshot might come up. I don't know. <laughs> um, no, uh, 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 James O'Neill, James dot O'Neill O N E I L at Columbia dot org. There you go. So people, email him. Start a petition. Let's let's get him uh, making the difference that he's already making anyway. Remove from office before I run for you. <laughs> oh no, no. Um, you, you're you're amazing at this, by the way. Oh shucks! You Don't do stop. Such a great job. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I you know it comes naturally, just like uh, you know, like other things come naturally to other people. I don't know. I like to talk. Um, <laughs> people attest to that right he's just nodding you're like a scratch talker yeah i'm a scratch talker exactly <laughs> pete That's... was a great um andy uh, you know conan o'brien right like andy exactly yeah. exactly so um so thank you for joining um i have lots more things that i want to chat with you about which we can do offline thanks honey for being on the show am i done now you're <laughs> you're done and thank you eric as always for being my uh my board engineer extraordinaire he's silent type but it works well for me so thanks for listening to don't ask me to talk again this is stacy heller and remember james o'neill he's a good guy and a yankee fan go yankees (laughs) 